the exciting, dangerous world of James Bond has arrived in Los Angeles. The Peterson Automotive Museum invites you to experience the cinematic legacy of over 30 iconic vehicles of James Bond in the new exhibition, Bond in Motion. This new Bond exhibition features the largest official collection of 007 vehicles in the United States, including the 1977 Lotus Esprit S1 submarine and No Time to Die Aston Martin DB5. Plan your visit today at peterson.org backslash bond. That's P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N dot org backslash bond. Hi, this is Ibrahim Mustafa, writer and artist of James Bond Solstice and co-writer and artist of James Bond Origin. And you are listening to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. You're listening to Rogue Agents, episode 21, featuring the man from UNCLE, season one, episode two. Welcome to the 21st episode of the Rogue Agents Podcast, a part of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast channel brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I'm your host, Agent Pat, codename DJ Christatos. Joining me as my co-host is... Oh, wait a minute. Where is my co-host? Does anybody know where Tex is? He's in England. England? What's he doing there? English thing. Texas is in southwest uh, United States. He's chip, chip, chippy, chippy, cheerio. That's what he's doing. <laughs> oh, well, my co host, Alan J. Porter, could not be here as he obviously sounds like he's on a special mission going on right now overseas. So good luck to you, Alan. We wish you best luck and uh, waiting for you to come back. In the meantime, we do have three other agents with me and a special guest. And we will get to all of them in just a few moments here. So, everyone here, I want you to tell me what's the most 007 thing you've done since the last episode. And we'll start with Jared. I would have to say the most 007 thing I've done is uh, visited Q Branch for a technological upgrade. I've upgraded my tech just today. I got mm-hmm. a brand new phone. Well, new to me. I bought an mm-hmm. iPhone 10. Uh, I know that's not new, new. Whoa, whoa easy there. <laughs> I know. New to me. Easy there, Terminator. Uh, just today, I got to tell you, I like to stay a couple models behind because you know me, the yard seller is always looking for a bargain. So you're, you're two levels up from me. Oh, yeah. I just dropped my uh, eight plus. That's what eight it is. Plus, yeah. So I switched my eight plus out for this here 10. So like Q Branch visited me, mm-hmm. I am ready to go. That's Sweet. what that was my bond like thing. Very cool. Make sure you get all your Twitter tweets and things, all that you need done through there. And make sure you're doing it through the secret channel. Right. I will use the VPN. I got it. I will use yep. the v- VMP pulse Correct. weapon. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't touch that button, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, what is this? Well, Jason, what is the most bondiest 0070 thing you've done? Well, Pat's kind of a big one today. 14 years ago, I started working with the firm, as we call it in the Mm -hmm. business, Mm -hmm. uh, Department of Ecology. And uh, I got a job offer to go work with another firm, Department of Fish Fish and Wildlife, for uh, kind of a sweet little promotion. So I had uh, Money Penny take a memo, tender my resignation, and had her send it to that uh, monument in the office. So this is my last week as a member of Department of Ecology. Starting next week, I will be a member of Department of Fish and Wildlife. Ooh, and then you'll be really reeling it in there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Pat, I got you hook, line, and sinker, didn't I? Got me. Good one, you, Pat. You button hooked me, man. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. I love that. 
All right. Well, let's go on to Delvin, the Dark Web Williams. What's your most bondiest 007 thing you've been doing? So, yeah, one of my friends, Manuel, asked me to go on a ruck walk with him. Do you know what that is, Pat, a ruck walk? Sure, Delvin. I, I, you, know, you know I don't. Well, I mean, you may have. I didn't want to insult your intelligence. Oh, like, does, know. J- Jason knows what a ruck walk is, yes? I ain't going on no ruck and walk, man. But, uh, and, and, <laughs> and Jared knows what a ruck walk is. That's right. So it's a really big backpack, and mm. you put stuff in it. In this case, I put a 20-pound weight vest in it, and I went walking for about 90-plus minutes and covered about 5.3 miles. And I didn't really have on the proper shoes to uh, be doing that. I oh, had on like some trail shoes uh, and I was walking on mostly uh, paved roads. Uh, so both of my feet are blistered. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. You know, uh, I, you know what you need? That's fun. If you're going to have a backpack, that? do you know what you need to help you what, walk? What do I need? Boots. If you're going on a walk, you're going to do some do exploring. Do- doing the door explorer jokes is what yes. he's doing. I'm, I'm no. I did a lot better with Sorry. Jason. Yeah, yeah. A lot better. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. One, one for two, Pat. You're yeah. still batting 500. You're going to be really reeling good. it in, Delvin. I <laughs> <laughs> see. It's a fishing reference. I got it. Oh. Well, that does sound pretty fun. And wow, that, that's a workout, it sounds like. Good for you, Delvin. Good for you. Maybe someday I'll get my door Explorer backpack and we can go exploring. Still not working. Okay, never mind. Let's move on. <laughs> We're going to move on to our special guest here. We have we have Agent Luis Petron. He is from Colombia. He runs the 007 Vintage YouTube channel. So make sure you guys go check that out. He was also featured several times on the Digital 007, a look back at Bond in video games that was produced and done by our very own Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Otters. Go back in the feed, and you will find that there. So welcome, Luis. We're glad to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. And do you want to tell us what's the most Bondian 007 thing that you have been doing recently? As a matter of fact, it was yesterday. My wife is currently in Paris. She's in Europe, and she asked me to get some directions. She was uh, with a cousin having some good time around Champs-Élysées and these things. And she was a little bit confused and lost. And I was giving her directions using maps. And I felt like I was like, Q, <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, turn right, go this way. <laughs> no, that, uh, uh, she was looking for Galerie Lafayette or something like that. And I gave her actually the wrong address. So wow. I wasn't a very good Q. <laughs> 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 yes, she was looking for another place with the same name. You know, this is like a department store. And they have plenty of, of them in the same zone. So I wasn't very effective. But it was very Bondian. I felt like, okay. <laughs> it was another Galerie Lafayette, but not the one that she was looking for. But anyway, I say, okay, you asked me for Galerie Lafayette. You are in the Galerie Lafayette. I have to continue working. <laughs> Just let me know <laughs> what happens. No, but she was fine. And, and her cousin too. But it, it was with a, her cousin is 12. So she was the responsible adult. Uh, and i was a responsible adult here back here in colombia very good well it seems like you still got to work out some training that needs to be done on that side as you uh, work through the mobile apps and things like that so this episode is the 21st episode of our ongoing series on this channel called mi6 rogue agents where we traverse the 007 universe that could mean books that could mean music that could mean video games Essentially, any medium that connects to the Bond franchise that we love so much here at On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. So, Luis, since this is your first time on the show, we have a few questions for you. First one is, what is your favorite Bond film? My favorite Bond movie has to be Goldeneye. Goldeneye. I love the Brosnan era, and I think it's very public (laughs) that it was my first time uh, watching a Bond movie and it's an experience that it's uh, you cannot repeat that experience your first Bond mm-hmm. cannot be repeated but in general and in the late in the more, more recent years I have been leaning towards Tomorrow Never Dies because he was more comfortable with the role a little bit <laughs> but GoldenEye is like the gold standard at least in my case 
Very good. How about your favorite Bond actor then? Pierce Brosnan, of course. Okay. <laughs> what, uh, what was the tagline? There, are, there, there is no substitute. Uh, I, I, I can remember. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and your favorite Bond theme song? I, I know it sounds cliche, but it has a very special meaning to me. It's Goldfinger. It's actually the first song that I understood in English without reading the lyrics. So oh, it has a very, wow. yeah, it's a, has a very special meaning to me. Appropriately, cool. awesome selection. Absolutely, that just, absolutely, I just <laughs> had to amen that. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry, oh, that's fine. That's that's very. Go fingers, awesome. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks. Yes, we know that Delvin loves his his dame. Just one more question, and it's it's kind of a twofold. Since we're talking about Man of Uncle, have you heard of Man from Uncle? And if so, what kind of background do you have with it? Okay, I heard about the series uh, actually back in the 90s when I started looking for information about James Bond and Ian Fleming and all the things that I read in a Nintendo magazine, actually, because of the GoldenEye thing. Hmm. I mean, maybe it was Blofeld's cat website or something. There was a mention about these TV series and that Fleming helped to create this. But at the time, I didn't have a chance to check any episodes. It was obviously... If Bond is not so popular here, well, it's popular. Everybody knows Bond here in Colombia, but not so popular as other entertainment franchises. So this TV series, of course, was not very common here in the country. So I couldn't see many things, but there was always something like, there. oh, maybe one day I will have the opportunity to watch the episodes or somewhere, I don't know. And uh, no, so I didn't, I didn't have much background on this and yeah, it was actually like a first time talking about this and watching something like uh, related with the, with the series and the characters. Very cool. It'll be interesting to hear your take on this. So looking forward to it. And speaking about looking forward to it, why don't we get into our rogue subject for this episode? And it is the man from uncle. Season one, episode two. Woo, I'm so excited we got to, epi- to watch episode two now. So, but let me tell you guys a little bit about episode two. For this episode, it is called The Iowa Scuba Affair. Its original air date was September 29th, 1964. It starred Robert Vaughn as Napoleon Solo, Mr. Smooth, David McCallum as Ilya Karyarkin, Leo G. Carroll as Alexander Waverly, Catherine Crawford as Jill Denson, Slim Pickens as Clint Spinner. And that's a f- name you guys probably know, right? Slim Pickens? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This was directed by, here's a name you guys might know, Richard Donner. Mm-hmm. I noticed that when, at yeah, the end. I, I was like, she... I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not. Early stuff. I think he did a super job on this. Uh, you probably know him from Superman, Lethal Weapon, et cetera, et cetera. Writer was Harold Jack Bloom, who contributed to the screenplay of You Only Live Twice. And it was also written by Sam Rolfe and produced by Norman Felton. So for the plot synopsis, again, the title was called The Iowa Scuba Affair. starts with Napoleon Solo apparently killing a U.S. airman who has scuba gear in his motorcycle compartment. The dead airman turns out to be an international saboteur who has been wooing a local girl to get access to a not very secret airbase. After a few attempts on their life, Solo and the girl are captured and it's revealed a group of terrorists are trying to steal a top secret plane from the underground airbase and access it from a nearby farm well system. Solo escapes and manages to alert the Air Force guards who overpower the terrorists. Now let's get into some bric-a-brac for this, and we'll find out, is it a first watch or a rewatch? Luis, is it a first watch or rewatch for you? 
Definitely a first watch. <laughs> a very good episode. I like it. <laughs> awesome. Jason. I'm with Luis. A first watch for me, too. Delvin. I'm with Luis and Jason. It's a first watch for me. Jared. Much like my 1984 digital Kermit, it's a first watch. <laughs> so I had a Muppets watch. Oh, okay. My first. Much like Jason, Louise, and Delvin, it's, my, it's a first watch. <laughs> All right. That makes more sense. Thank you for the clarification on that one. It is a first watch for me, too. So, woo! We did it. Woo! A watching, watching rainbow. rainbow. Watching rainbow. Yes, it's All a right. watching rainbow. <laughs> We left out Alan because it was a rewatch for him. But anyway, we'll get to some of his comments as we go through here as well. So with that, let's get to some highs and lows. We'll go through a couple rounds. Each of us will get a chance to provide a high or a low about the show that we just watched. So we will start with our guest, Luis. Do you have a high or a low? Okay, I, I was very surprised uh, with the production values of the series. I really like yeah. uh, every, the settings. Everything was very, very nice. It, it makes you not missing that it's uh, not in color, that it's black and white. It's mm -hmm. very pristine. I really like everything uh, and the characters. I, I know the actor. What, what's his name? Uh, Solo? Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn. Uh -huh. Yes, I, I remember him from the Superman movie and um, British series. I think it was Hustle. And some episodes of the A-Team, so I have memories of his work, but obviously not very familiar with his performance as Solo. I only saw a clip a long time ago with mm. some TV pilot or something like that, okay. uh, a reboot. And his performance is really, really good. He's so sophisticated, suave. <laughs> He's yeah, <laughs> the, the archetypical spy. So production values and Robert Vaughn's performance, top-notch. Mm. Very good. Jason, high-low? I agree 100% with what Luis said as far as the production value. I thought from the very first moment when I started watching this, it grabbed me like how serious it was. It opens up with them introducing themselves, and they're like, excuse us, we just got to go smoke a cat. You know, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna fill this sucker up with some lead. And that's what they did. And, and the weapons looked cool. It looked like something out of a Fleming novel. It really did. Even more so than some of the Bond films. It had a Fleming-like feel for that that action. So I thought that that was really cool. And even the bad guys, it could have looked really dopey. And I kind of chuckled a little bit when they first revealed themselves in the scuba gear with those big <laughs> rifles and everything. Staring back and he just kind of... Staring back at them, right? And I was like, That's, that doesn't seem very practical. But it looked cool, man. It looked like something out of G.I. Joe or something. It just, oh, it just looked really cool. Yeah, so really that production value and then add in the seriousness of the tone, it made for a really entertaining episode, not nearly as tongue-in-cheek as I originally thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think I agree with you that that opening introduction really pulled us in into the story. Delvin, high-low or what the? I want to continue to talk about Robert Vaughn. I mean, yes, he is the lead of the show, but somehow he stole the show. I was like, there are many times I just got like, good God, he's just very charming and and mm -hmm. handsome. Mm -hmm. And it was just walking around like cock of the walk, like, man, this is episode two. And he was owning it like, wow. And he just always seemed to have MacGyver like. Skills, ways yeah. of solving yeah. problems of like looking around and immediately assessing the situation and seeing what's going on and how to solve problems. So I was just captivated by him the entire time. Like I was impressed with Napoleon Solo's character from episode one, but just going into episode two, we haven't even really seen Ilya. Like they no. introduced him no. and then like, he was like uh, the younger sister from family matters, walked up the stairs, never saw her again. Like it's the same thing with Ilya. It's like, <laughs> is he ever going to actually be on uncle? I don't know. And I almost don't care because Napoleon Solo is so dang cool and charismatic. Like he's blown me away. Very impressed by him. Yeah. I literally am now thinking I need to always carry a can of Barbersell 
with me just in case I get locked in the bathroom. And yeah, and probably some matches. Like a lighter. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. a lighter. I mean, mm-hmm. just, I think you use some brute too, you know, as an accelerant for the. Oh, yeah. You're not going to believe this, but actually, I got a kit from the university in which I work, and they gave us a towel. Yes, towel and some alcohols. I was thinking about that. Yes, if I were in a similar situation, I have everything that I need to escape. (laughs) So, yeah. You got it, man. Just (laughs) burn down the door, blow it up. Yes. But that's one of the things you're, you're right. I liked about this episode is the craftiness, the spy kind of things that he did takes me back to the earlier bonds when Connery put the hair on the door so he knew if somebody came in and, and all that. So I really like that. I, I found that very fascinating. Jared, do you have a high level with Everybody, now is a good time to get a drink. All right. I, <laughs> I am going to go on. I loved it, Pat. I loved it. From the moment I pressed play and that banging intro theme came out, I was like, that's like popping my head. Like, yeah, all right. You know, and then like the airman rolls out and solos there with his hands up and it's like, I was like, oh my God. To quote one of my favorite Delvin quotes from our rookie agent series was on license to kill. Cause he said at one point, something like, in his notes, he wrote down, what the hell is going on? And he meant it in like the best way possible. And that's how I felt in this. I'm like, what the hell? Because he shoots the dude. And then he's like, being the dude's brother. But then he's like, that's not my brother. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> so engaging. Like, what a great way to engage the audience, right? So I really, I felt like I was channeling Delvin during the License to Kill episode because I was just totally engaged in the story. 100% agree on that because he's like, yeah, who shot my brother? I'm like, you you, you shot you your did. brother. You did. Is, he a, is he your brother? I just saw you. I started going I mean, in my mind that- like, was it somebody in disguise, you know, like from Russia with Love style? Right. And then it and comes then- to a commercial and then he's back with Waverly and he's like, and Waverly says, so you had to kill this guy. He's like, oh yeah, I smoked him. You know, me, me and Elliot came down, took care of business. And I thought, did I miss something? It was something cut out, but it all tied together beautifully in the end. And there was no doubt he was shot, too. I mean, no. I was like, how? I don't know how in the heck he could have missed him. He was so close range. <laughs> and the guy was on a motorcycle, and he was like two feet away. Bang! I'm like, yeah, that, that dude, he dead. Yeah. <laughs> he dead, dead. Like, how did, you, how did you get that close to him on a motorcycle? When he had a gun and you didn't hit him. Hey, so, let's talk about I'm the. I, I know I'm taking too many turns. No, no, but no. let's talk about the gun. He's got a shoulder stock for it, extended magazine, extended mm-hmm. barrels. Like it's, it's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, all this excitement I'm bubbling about is like the first two minutes. Of yeah. The well, let's even go back before that because that was their introduction scene. They're putting these pieces together. He's like, yeah, Napoleon Solo, and I da 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 da. I'm Ilya Kiriakin, and I am also da-da-da-da-da. Just not in this yeah. episode. <laughs> right. And then they go out, and I'm Ilya Kiriakin. I helped shoot this guy, and now I am done. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I just thought it was really cool. You know, you talk about those weapons and, and how they're introducing themselves while assembling those weapons to go out on the mission. I just thought it was really cool. Uh, one of the other parts I like in this, as Jason kind of alluded to it, is then Napoleon goes back, and he's talking to Waverly. And just that kind of camaraderie, quipness between the two that they have going on. Some of the, the comments that are said are like, wait, did he say that? And then Napoleon kind of catches on to what he just said and eventually and kind of gives it a little bit back too. So I like that. It kind of reminds me of the the M and the Bond. Report kinda. back to me if there's any more attempts on your life. Unless, of course, they're successful. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, some good lines in this one. And well, I'm gonna give another one on here. I just Napoleon. Yeah, we have looking, a second round. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm gonna start off the second round then. <laughs> Napoleon looking around as the women are coming passing by. <laughs> can't help himself. Can't help himself. Can't help himself. He's <laughs> like, oh man, oh, that's funny. Anyway, let's go ahead and get to round two. So, Luis, do you have another high or a low for round two? It's something very similar to what you have uh, been saying. It's very Fleming-esque, the story. It it brings many memories from different eras of the Bond series. 
I was thinking the, the beginning, uh, <laughs> I was a little bit confused, as you were, but being not a native English-speaking <laughs> guy, so I, I missed something. So I have to <laughs> rewind <laughs> to go back and try to see. So that was a little bit confusing, and I almost quit. Obviously, I wouldn't because I wanted to be here, but sure. uh, I said, what? What's going on? I don't understand. So I try to review this part many times. So the beginning can be confusing. And I thought, as, as you said, that probably would be like uh, from Russia with love or something, someone with a mask or something like that. Mm. But at mm-hmm. first was confusing. So I, I almost, almost, but I didn't. <laughs> I almost yeah. quit. But no, in general, I said, okay, let's continue. If this is a spy series, Obviously, there's, there's going to be some kind of more explanation and background. So I continue watching that. Obviously, uh, it, <laughs> it was a good idea to continue. I can see that this being your first episode to watch, especially with that turnaround of him going, hey, that's my brother. And like, wait a minute, you just shot the guy. <laughs> I can see where that was confusing, definitely. So I'm glad you stuck it through and you're here talking with us. So with that, Jared, your turn for the next high-low. Oh, you're going to let me go early? <laughs> yeah, I'll let you go early on this one. I got more to say. I'll talk about this all day. Ah, where to start? I want to leave some stuff for the other fellas, so I'll be very specific on this one. I really like the part where Solo and the girl from Iowa were being like hunted with night vision scopes in the mm-hmm. woods. They even did like, a little bit of slow-mo for this, yeah, I this group that. that's okay. fanning out. I was like, this is kind of intense, you know? I really got that intense feeling from it, which for a small screen, black and white to do, like Louise was saying, was impressive. Mm-hmm. And I'll just end it by saying, I love the fact that quick thinking solo spy craft, he busts out the flare, knowing that that's going to overwhelm the night vision. Great idea. But not only does he do that, going back to what Delvin says, he makes his little joke. I can't remember. What, like he said, he, did, he wrapped off like a little nursery rhyme or something. Yeah. Some kind of a, Something I don't like even that. know what it was. I can't remember which one he did, but he, he like makes his little joke and he grabs the girl and runs away. I'm like, if I'm being hunted by I'm like six people with rifles, I'm just throwing the flare and sprinting <laughs> for it. But not solo, man. He's got the jokes, and the girl's like, oh, you're so charming. And I'm like, oh. I was like, the girl. I was like, yeah, you're totally hard. <laughs> so I'll just keep it that one small segment. You can hear my enthusiasm, Pat. Oh, just definitely. Get, get the martini glasses ready. Just definitely, get them ready yeah. now. <laughs> Jason. High, low, or what the? I'm going to go with the fight in the tunnel at the end. Okay. That was a baller fight, man. That was like a real fight. That that wasn't any of that choreographed stuff you see today. Well, obviously mm-hmm. it's choreographed, but you had a, a boy trying to choke him out while he's crushing <laughs> some guy's throat with his foot against the oh, cave yeah. wall, and it was brutal. And I guess I'll just wrap it up by saying we just got to see a wide spectrum of the talents between what all of us have talked about of Napoleon Mm -hmm. Solo, the suave gentleman, the MacGyver-like think on your feet, resourcefulness to use what's with you, the calm under pressure, being chased by multiple riflemen through the woods. And then it's just like the gloves are off and it's time to go to, you know, Knuckle City. And he was dealing it, man. So I I just thought, man, this this is a good fight. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. I was kind of yelling at the screen a little bit. I was like, I was yelling at Slim Pickens because I was like, man, you are terrible at choking somebody out <laughs> with an axe handle. Like, he gave him all day. Ah, come on, Slim. If, if yeah. I'm the dude getting choked out by the foot, I wouldn't even like, okay, we're never talking about that fight again. It, it didn't happen. I don't even remember. I had amnesia. I would, I would I go did not get choked out by a dude's foot while he was being ch- choked out. Dude, you got a Nike I, imprint like right across your throat right there. Nope. Uh, I, I tripped, fell down the stairs, and uh, hit, hit a tennis shoe. That, that's how that happened. That's- I would henchman for someone else the next day. I'd be like, I got to go henchman for somebody else. <laughs> well, you know. Probably some slim pickings for henchmen. So he no, got you're what cut he off. Had. You're cut off. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. That that now you're getting greedy. <laughs> getting greedy. Oh, Delvin, do you have a high, low, or, or what though? Well, I'll riff off of slim pickings. Okay. Credible enemy, wasn't he? I thought yeah. like I was a little bit suspicious of him. And then by the time that they got to the house, I'm like, oh yeah, no, he's in on it. 
it was obvious because he was just acting just a little bit too animated and fidgety when he saw Napoleon and girl from Iowa. And so it's like, okay, yep, he's definitely the bad guy. And so it was, but it was a good reveal. It's like, all right, yeah, I'm, yeah, all right, yeah, I'm gonna go get a car for you. And then like and rigged a car as a bomb, but That's he was capable because a few minutes later, the heard the bomb and he was like, I shouldn't have heard that. They should have been way down the road. Something's up. So he was intelligent enough to know what's going on. So I love a capable villain and not just some goon. Even though he was terrible at applying a chokehold, he was a very good mastermind <laughs> as far as setting up Napoleon and had it, had the good plot as far as, you know, the plane and had the bomb in the South American country and everything. So I thought that the villain's plot was, it was good, but they didn't make it overly complex. Mm-hmm. It was simple enough for that format that it's like, okay, yep, bad guy. And he was going to try and plot with a South American country to overthrow the country. All right, cool. That's feasible enough. And Slim Pickens was a good enough role for it because he was playing the all shucks role. And then immediately like morphed into the bad guy and all of it made sense. So wanted to give a big thumbs up to him. No, that's good. He did definitely do a good job on the role he was given. You know, Delvin just reminded me that he was helping overthrow the South American government. And this Mm -hmm. episode, they did speak Spanish. So it's a good thing Luis hung on as long as he did. (laughs) (laughs) How was the Spanish, Luis? Was the Spanish accurate? It was accurate. And yeah, it was very good. Because normally, if we listen to some Spanish lines in current shows, they are poorly... Uh, made and the pronunciation is not good but i think that the the girl was from i don't know if she's from latin america or something but the pronunciation was correct and it doesn't feel fake so you believe that they are actually working in a plot to overthrow a government in south america which is not specified we don't know which country is so it was very very good too i like that because when you have this very clear you say oh no, in this case, you start thinking, okay, what country is that? But the Spanish was good. It's a, a, a really good thing. All right. Well, I think with that, does anybody have any other things they want to talk about this one? You know what? Surprisingly, I do. <laughs> Here whoa, it comes. Whoa. Usually. It's weird being on the other side. Nobody saw it coming. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see for yeah. <laughs> and now when he's editing this, he's going to be like, oh, it's like an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, but it's quality. <laughs> it's quality, Jason. No, I just want to shout out to the ladies. They had the one lady that worked oh, yeah. at Uncle Headquarters. She was really pretty. And you Heather? could tell. Oh, the same ladies. Yes. You could tell that Solo had the eye for her. But more so the gal who played the Iowa girl. She was really good. Like she played sort of, I've grown up in Iowa. I want to see more of the world. I'm really attracted to this guy. Country bumpkin. Kind of, but real sweet and charming. Like I really liked her. I just thought she was really likable. And when he handed her that gun, he was like, you don't have to kill anybody. Just pop off some shots. You know, she didn't back away. She did her job. And I was just like, I like this girl. Heck in fact, Jared, she came back. She didn't have to. Solo told her, yeah, drive down the road just a little bit, get out the car and walk home. But she came back because she's like, I felt like I could help. And it's like, dang, pretty straight of her to do that. Perfect. I just wanted to tip of the cat. I could tip of the cat to everything in this show, but the, I thought the ladies were, were really charming. I was eyeing Miss Blocker, you know, the one that was uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the mom. Yeah. Yeah. She's was she the mom age, or was she the, I, yeah. I didn't really understand mom that. Or she was a guardian a mom. or something. Yeah. I don't know. It just goes to show, you know, solo, you know, he's a, playing on that playboy attitude that he has there. And and the girl, Jill Dennison, at the end, saying, hey, can I come and see you in New York later on or whatever? And yeah, when you come, you know, we'll meet up and whatever. I'll take you out for dinner and all that. And then they're about to kiss, and then they don't. And then he leaves, the mom or whoever she is, you're thinking she's going to like, you know, kind of, hey, you know, stay away from that guy. He's too old for you or, or what have you. She's like, oh, you wait till you go to New York. And she's like, ooh. <laughs> I'm going to go there. So I'm wondering, I I don't know. I, I wish Alan was here to tell us, does she show up later on? I we'll just have to keep watching. Mind. Yeah. Find yeah. out. Going back to what Del- I'm going to talk more. Going back yeah. to what Delvin said about Robert Vaughn's just charmingness. There's a lot of that in there because 
you know, sometimes James Bond, you can tell he's playing up a, a girl, you know, for reasons. But mm-hmm. Robert Vaughn, even though he was talking her up, like all the women I know back in New York are put together, layered, I think might have been a term he used. Basically, he's saying you're a natural beauty. You're a charming natural. And he was being authentic. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he was trying to get with her. He was trying to make her see what she really was. If you remember back in episode one, he kind of did that to that other girl, that too, housewife huh? that helped on the thing, too. Like, he walks that line of being kind of a James Bond womanizer, but he comes off as more authentic, charming. Yeah, you guys yeah. get what I'm saying? Sincere. Yeah. No, definitely. I think that was uh, a good aspect of his character. Similar. We talked a little bit about it in the first episode. There's a bit of wistfulness, I think, that we see at the end. It's what possibly could be, but it's never going to be with the job and the lifestyle that he has. So he has to let it go. We did have a few comments from Alan. He was kind enough to help along with making of this episode, uh, the script and all that. So he did put some comments of highs and lows that he had. And I just want to give a few that he said, because basically we covered the majority of them in other people's thoughts on this. I'm going to hand it over to Jared to provide some of Alan's highs and low comments. No problem. Alan and I are best friends, so I, I understand everything that he puts down. Like you said, Pat, some of his stuff has come up in our conversation. He says the opening sets up the mystery, which is why our hero uh, shooting a U.S. airman and why does the guy have breathing gear, flippers in the middle of Iowa corn country? Lots to unpack. Same comments that, that we came to. Waverly asides to Solo about having a plain face. <laughs> you remember that? He told it. He's like, oh, it's such a kind of a plain yeah. face. Like, like, oh, you grumpy old bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and he mentions that line that came up before, report any attempts to kill you unless they are successful. Alan also really liked the spy craft that you mentioned. Uh, Louise has the kit for it right now, using shaving cream after shave and a lighter to create a bomb. He liked the multi-layer story. Now, he did have a couple of lows. He didn't like so much Slim Pickens as the guest star. We all like Slim, but Alan didn't, but he has a pretty good reason. He said that Slim uses some of the same phrases he would later use in Dr. Strangelove and Blazing Saddles, and it throws him out of the story he was on screen. I get the feeling that Frowling is like too big of a personality in other media to mm. be here, but you know, boo. I knew it was getting a boo from that one. I knew it was getting a Aw, boo. Oh, shucks. <laughs> Uh, he also, a low for him was nighttime scenes were clearly filmed day for night, which is a common problem with 60s movies and TV. Eh. I didn't catch help on. Me see it better. <laughs> help me see it better. Yeah. And he did one, what the, he has a question. Maybe someone can no prize it. He said, how did they breathe when they were buried in the corn silo? And if you oh, ask me, wow. he's getting too granular there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 how do I do it? Jason, did you have an idea on how they breathe in the... Honestly, I thought the same thing. I was kind of curious about that myself. I just kind of guessed maybe they they like were hovering there to the last minute. The elevator came up, then they're like, all right, go down, hold your breath, and then waited it out till they heard the elevator again and then came up. That was the best explanation i could come up with that's a good kernel of knowledge you have <laughs> i'll stop oh, Man, sure. I, let me, oh boy let me give See, it back to you Pat. they work for you but not for me <laughs> <sighs> all right with our thoughts out of the way let's get to some fun facts from agent allen and that's going to be brought to you by our agent dark web all right here we go This episode was filmed June 1st through 5th and June 8th of 1964. Other titles that were considered for this episode include The Kansas Scuba Affair and The Silo Affair. The first use of the extended opening sequence of, quote, on a street in the East 40s, there is an ordinary tailor shop, unquote, that gives the background and agent introductions There is no Ilya, despite being seen in the opening titles. And last, there are a few insert shots of an F-4 Phantom that seem to imply that Solo uses the fighter to travel between Iowa and New York. In the novels, it's stated that uncle agents mainly fly commercial, but in case of extreme emergencies, they can use a fleet of uncle T-33 jet trainers. And that's Fun Facts with Agent Allen. 
I meant to bring that up too. I was like, dude has an F4 fan. <laughs> Man, I got to admit, I was an idiot there. I thought the F4 was supposed to be I, the secret jet. That's what I thought too. I, I thought was thinking the same thing. I was like, they said airbase, so I'm thinking they're, you know. Yeah, they talked about the airbase and they had the F4. And I was like, that's no secret jet. That's an F4. <laughs> but what you just said makes more sense. Mm. Put it that way. You should have paid attention during the PowerPoint briefing. If a <laughs> secret jet is down in the silo. To yeah, yeah, I true. did get that. That's why I said oh, okay. that. But you thought it was an F4 down. I, okay, well, I, I thought the secret jet was like flying and then going back to the Yeah, I thought it was just, thing. yeah. I thought the same thing too. <laughs> I find curious that we are haven't mentioned how the the arrow moves in the PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Did you notice awesome. that? Yes. yes. Yeah. Now it's something that is totally normal. But I think that back in those days was oh wow, state of the art technology, a pointer moving towards its <laughs> schematics and all those things. <laughs> yes, and, and about the plane, the first time I thought it was yes, the, the secret jet. But the second time, I realized it was like showing that he was moving between the headquarters and mm. Iowa. Yeah. yeah. But the PowerPoint deserves a mention. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere a little Bill Gates was watching that going, hmm. <laughs> it's not as big and baller like that one where they had the map on the big giant wall and that one. Uh, what oh, movie Octopussy? was it? Octopussy? Yeah. Was it Octopussy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the world's greatest powerpoint yeah. presentation ever yeah <laughs> all right well thank you delvin for reading those fun facts for us and now it's time to get into some ratings for this episode and just as a reminder of the rating system it's a one through seven rating seven is you loved it it shook your martini six is excellent. Five, very good. Four, good. Three, just okay. Two, not so very good. And one, you hated it. It stirred your martini with a dirty finger. Ooh. Not even clean. Ooh, you know, just anyway, Luis, what are you going to rate this episode? A solid seven. I love it. In spite of the uh, confusion at the beginning, I really like it, full of Bondian references. I would dare to say it's even more Bondian than Bond itself, oh, <laughs> himself. That's a bold yes, statement. There are so many, yes, there are so many elements, and I really liked because it made me feel, back in the days when I started reading Fleming's novels, yeah, it's full of many, many aspects that make me feel like when I was watching the movies back when I was younger. So it was really good for me, a very good experience. Awesome. Glad to hear that. Jared, one through seven. Oh, I'm getting on that seven train with my boy, Louise. Toot, toot. We're riding it. We are riding seven train. Yeah, it, it, just the, that opening, like I said, the music, then they mm -hmm. introduce themselves, and then there's that... It's worth saying again, it shoots a guy. Oh, this, is, this is my brother. No, it's not my brother, but you shot that guy. Like, <laughs> it was so engaging. Yeah. I was all the way in, and it never disappointed me, ever. I just really enjoyed it. Seven. Very good. Delvin? I was out of six. It was very good, and, and y'all know I'm reserved mm -hmm. on going all the way with the seven and, like, the what the... But I'm inclined to give it a seven just based off of the enthusiasm of everyone else. It's worth giving it a seven because if that is the character that Napoleon Solo is going to be in future episodes and stuff, then it's something that I'm looking forward to next time. And we haven't re really even gotten into Ilya yet. So yeah. it feels like even though this was fantastic, it can get even better. I mean, and this was episode two of the series where there was an intelligent plot. There was a good villain. There was a great hero. There was a great heroine as well. It's a seven. It's very good. It was just a fun watch. So call me a cab. Toot, toot. Jason, one through seven. I'll boat anchor it. I'm going to go with a six. I got to give it some room to grow. We haven't seen Ilya yet. And until we do, can't give it a seven. If this ends up being the best uh, episode in the series, I couldn't look back at this and regret it. But I 
Come on, man. You gotta give your boy some. So, gotta give Ilya some. Oh. John, man. <laughs> Say what you want. Say what you want. It's getting the six. I need some Ilya wow. Kuryakin in there. But it was a it was a terrific episode. You're all absolutely right. But I'm just want to leave it a little room to grow. See what Ilya can bring to it. All right, fair enough. I'm gonna get on the train with a seven. For this. I'm all bored. Woo woo. Punch my ticket. I'm there. Dare I say, I like this episode better than the first episode. Same. I think if I was going to get somebody started, I'd say go right to this second episode. This is all you need. And you'll be hooked moving forward to see what happens next. The first episode was like a shortener version, I guess, of a bigger story. So I think that's where it kind of waved around. This one really didn't dwell too much on kind of stretching things out. We got right to everything. And I think that's what really made this one a interesting watch. And one that I would go back to again. I do want to support Luis. That was a bold statement to say that this is more Bondian than Bond, but I agree. It felt more like a Fleming Bond than many of the particularly more recent movies. Jarrett, will you grace us with Alan's thoughts? On- Too right. all right yes and alan's gonna make jason feel a little better because alan wrote this is one of his favorite uncle episodes i love the fact they never really explain exactly what's going on they just let the story unfold and he rated it a six out of seven delvin there we go That's my brother. (laughs) What? (laughs) My brother. (laughs) Poor Louise just trying to hang on. And that's the show. As a reminder to our audience, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send us your questions, comments, or trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com or over on our Twitter page at ohmspod. If you like, you can also send us an email. As a reminder, that's ohmspod at outlook.com. Just send us an audio file recording of your question or comment, and we might even play it on the show. I want to thank Louise, Jared, Jason and Delvin for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. And let's start with you first, Luis. Okay, my Twitter nickname is 007 Vintage. You can find me there. And also I have a new YouTube channel. I am working on it, but Twitter is my place at 007 Vintage. Very good. Everybody give him a subscribe. Jert, where can they find you? I have already subscribed to the Low 7 Vintage on YouTube because I'm helping out my boy every chance I get. But you can find me at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. And I do have a full set of James Bond book page sketches, every actor. I even had a guy recently commissioned me to do Barry Nelson and David Niven. So I have like every James Bond actor in that set now. <laughs> Very cool. Jason? You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Delvin? You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. What about you, Pat? Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have enjoyed this episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. If you enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them, but in the realm of comic books, check out the Longbox Crusade. Jarrett, where can that be found? Well, Pat, I'm glad you asked. The Longbox Crusade can be found in lots of different places. Check it on your favorite podcatcher. Check it on YouTube or check our social medias. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. All of it is at Longbox Crusade. Come check us out. Thanks to the fellows for joining me on this yet another dangerous mission. And also thanks to the listeners who tuned in. If you'd like to leave a question or a comment on this or any of the other episodes, feel free to contact the show on Twitter at OHMSPod or email us at OHMSPod at Outlook.com. We hope to hear from you soon. 
The next episode of MI6 Rogue Agents will feature Alan's Choice. On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we'll return. when I was with Am in Tokyo, we had an interesting experience. Outtakes. Thank you, Miss Moneypenny. That's all. That's all. You're, you're better off doing games, I've heard. So maybe if you could have put her in, in a game and you could have just moved her left, right, up, and down, that would have got her where I she I wish I could do that with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she sent me her location and, and she's got a, a raccoon. As oh, her, oh, oh. Uh, his, her photo and it was like i don't know like a chasing game or thing <laughs> i think like that or uh yes like a pac-man i i don't know if you remember that once no well it was some years ago uh, google uh, maps had this uh, pac-man anniversary thing on maps and they featured this or it was oh, in uh, okay. in an ingress game so it was very similar because I, I saw her moving with this raccoon photo. <laughs> it, was, it was, yeah, it was funny. And actually, it's the second time it happens because when we had the opportunity to go to the premiere, the Colombian premiere of No Time to Die, or, huh? um, <laughs> we had to meet the, in Bogota. She was in another city and I was here in, in Ibagué and we had to travel in separate ways. And it was the same. Okay, we have to meet at this point. And it was very funny because it was like a chase. So when, when <laughs> it's featured like a game, I can't help. But when it's not a game, <laughs> I, when it's more serious, nah, I'm sorry. This is out of my league. I am expert on games, not serious things. <laughs> Sabotor. Yes. Thank you. Who that has is been... tripped over literally every word. <laughs> Except that Nailed Salvatore. Behind the scenes, I went into the script and I bold and italicized it just because I knew he was going <laughs> to hit it so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to mute. <laughs> I know. Ready? Okay.